You're listening to the Ready, Set, Cloud podcast, a show about trending and difficult topics on serverless and in the cloud. Today, we're talking about community. I have Jonah Anderson on the show to talk about the career-boosting benefits of being part of the tech community. We discuss what the tech community is, where to find it, and how to focus in on your niche to find the people closest to you. Ready, set, let's go. We all know that cloud technologies move fast. It can be really difficult to stay up to date with the newest features. If you don't stay on top of it, your skills don't stay as sharp as your rate of innovation drops. We don't want that. Nobody wants that. But how do you stay fresh and build new skills when you have a full-time job that doesn't require it? One word, community. The tech community is huge and full of experts who genuinely want to help you and educate people with their lessons learned. And I have one of those experts here with me today, Jonah Anderson. Jonah, welcome to the show. Hi, Alan. It's so great to be at your podcast, Ready, Set, Cloud. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. Happy to have you. Now, I understand that you're a Microsoft MVP for Azure. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Microsoft MVP for Azure is the award given by Microsoft to community leaders that are contributing to communities around the world in sharing knowledge about the technologies that I'm awarded for, which in this case is Microsoft Azure. So I speak a lot about Azure technologies, and that includes serverless and collaborating with the community and developers around the world. Now, you said the word community a couple of times in there, and that's exactly what we're here to talk about. So I just want to level set because you and I, who are very active in the community, we know what it means and we know where to find it. We know what it is. But there's a lot of people where community just kind of is this nebulous term that might sound markety. It might sound made up. Let's talk about what it is. I would love to hear your definition of what the tech community is. Community is a very special word. To me personally, tech communities, to be specific, means collaboration with other developers and other like-minded people. Community to me means knowledge sharing, which means that as a community leader, you have this passion to share what you have regardless of whatever level it is passion to share for others because you know that the knowledge that you have will build up others. And also it's about passion because if you're not passionate yourself to serve others and to share for others, I don't think there will be a community at all because it's all driven by passion. So yeah, that's what community is to me. It's very broad, but those are my top three descriptions. Oh, it's, it's great. And what do you find is the most powerful thing about community? You've talked about how it's self-nurturing, how we pay it forward. But beyond that, what's the impact of the community on just the, the greater set of tech? For me, it's the connections that you create, like the networking, the people that you meet, for example, you and other community leaders within the community, like learning about their stories and their knowledge, their expertise, which gives you an awakening that, hey, he or she is good at this, which is I'm weak of. That is something that I can learn and follow from, from this person and try to reach out and connect and 
give ways for collaboration. So for me, that's the most powerful because I believe that nobody is an island. So we all need each other and we can always benefit from each other's skills. To add on top of that, one of my favorite things about the community is whenever I have an issue, like maybe I'm debugging something or I'm trying to figure out a particularly difficult problem, the cynic in me says everybody's had every problem before. There's no new problems. So I reach out to the tech community. Usually for me, I find that on Twitter. So I'll send a tweet and I'll say, who solved this problem before and describe it. And I pretty much always get answers, direct answers to the exact problem that I've had with the solution that these people researched, implemented, and proved out actually works. It's something that saved me hundreds of hours of time over the, the course of my career. It's incredible. Yes, it is incredible. It's about helping each other, right? In terms of pair programming and working things together when you're stuck, you need to get out of your comfort zone and really there ask your friends or colleagues that, hey, I'm stuck. You can't do this. I need your help. And then you got all the helps that you expected, which actually helps us save time and problem solving. Yes. Now, one of the favorite jobs that I had over the, the course of my career is when I was a tech lead over uh, a small development team. The responsibilities were primarily do a little bit of R&D, do some project planning, and most importantly, mentor the other developers on the team. And what I really like about being active in the tech community is that it's basically a tech lead role, but over all developers, which is my favorite thing. I love getting the variants of ideas and a, a slew of problems I never even considered before from all these people that just have access to, to me and to each other. It's so cool and so rewarding. I can agree to that. That's also the main reason, actually, that during the pandemic and the COVID, when everyone is working from home, I built Azure User Group Sweden, which is for speaking about cloud development with Azure or cloud, whatever it is. And it wasn't easy to do virtual sessions and invite speakers to share their knowledge. But because people are thinking about community and sharing with everyone, everyone volunteered even on their weekends, bi-weekly, to just share knowledge and learning from each other. So those beginners get to learn from experts that have done the mistakes and all the experience they had. I kind of want to tangentially move on this topic because it's absolutely related and super important for people to hear. Mm -hmm. There's a misconception, I think, when people want to approach the community. They think that they have to be an expert in order to participate, but that's not true at all. No, I agree with you because the community is all about helping each other. So those that are more experienced are really going to those that are new and still starting their journey because everyone is equal and there's no expertise in different layers of it. And one of the things that people need to hear as well is that there's no judgment passed for any questions that are asked. I actually do believe, it sounds like a cliche, but there's no such thing as a dumb question. Everybody's in a different spot, yeah. right? What might sound dumb to one person totally isn't for somebody else because you're in a different spot. So, yes, you know, it just right. building up that courage to ask the question is hard for, for a lot of people because mm -hmm. they, they think it's a dumb question or 
people are going to look down yeah. on me. It's just not, yes. it's not the case. I want to add the word belonging because when you belong to a group or to a community, regardless of whatever specific tech community it is, the feeling of belonging that you are confident and secured asking any dumb questions that you can think of. And you know that it doesn't matter how stupid this question is. I know that my friends in the community is going to try to help me because they're also like me. <laughs> so those kind of examples. Early on in my career, when I was an associate developer, that's what I was hired as right out of college. I feel like I grew so slowly because I was afraid to ask questions. My team would talk about something or say an acronym that I didn't understand. And I would just sit there and, and nod my head and try to figure it out on my own. Never mm -hmm. did. Grew so slowly and just struggled to comprehend what everyone was talking about. And it wasn't until I started asking those questions and getting the answers to what I thought were silly questions, but turns out they weren't, that I started really leveling up as a developer. I started understanding things a lot better because I knew what people were talking about. And then I could go in and research on my own, be like, oh, okay, so this is why we do those things and all that. What was your breaking point there? What made you ask more questions at that time in your career? This is a great question. I think <laughs> I did it once. To, I, I did yeah, it once. Okay. I was, it, it's, it's really about that icebreaker, right? I yeah, breaking point, was yeah. totally lost in whatever conversation mm -hmm. we were having. It was with the architect on my team and my boss. And they were talking about something. They were asking me for my input. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know. Can you please explain all of this to me? And from there, I kind of broke the seal on questions. They explained it to me in a nice way. Like it wasn't condescending at all. Like I was afraid it was going to be. And I felt encouraged to ask more questions when I had them because what I had feared that it was going to stifle my growth at the company because I asked silly questions was not true at all. Yeah, I can relate to asking questions because I actually had the challenge as well when I was starting my career as an IT consultant, like especially being the female developer, which is not very common in development teams. Sometimes you feel out of place because you're not so many of us. <laughs> But later on, I learned as well that daring to ask questions and speaking up really made an impact in my career as a developer, especially here in Sweden. Let's keep down that train of thought. I want to talk a little bit about how you entered the community and got to the point where you are now. You're a recognized expert by Microsoft. You didn't start that way. How did you get there? My tech story actually started in the Philippines. So I moved from Philippines to Sweden about 11 years ago. And while I was in the Philippines, I didn't actually thought to be working as a developer or with, within IT. Uh, my dream job when I was younger is I wanted to be a civil engineer because I liked the idea of building something. Then as an eldest of four children in the family in the Philippines, we weren't rich. My parents told me when I was in high school that, hey, Jonah, we cannot afford to send you to college. So that made me sad, but I didn't give up. I decided to take a scholarship in the government one. I didn't have the option to study civil engineering, but the best closest one was computer science. So that was the start of my interest in tech a long time ago. And the first programming language I learned was Visual Basic. 
in those CTR computers. Then when I finished computer science, I didn't have the opportunity to work as a programmer as my first job because my mother died of breast cancer when I was like turning 18. So I was forced to work as a technical support for an American company. And that enabled me to earn the money and provide financial support to my sisters and brothers at that time when my mother died. And fast track to now when I moved to Sweden, I decided to follow my dreams. So I studied more computer programming courses, development in .NET and even in Java until I started working as a senior or a consultant, working with different things within development. And that helped me grow as a developer, technically wise and also soft skills wise. So I learned a lot of things. I also had my challenges, which made me resilient and humble about my beginnings and thinking about community and helping others because I've been there before as well. So I want to help others by lifting them up. So that's my story. That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. That Thank is... you. Yes, the short version. So let's talk specifics a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's a great story. Hope it inspires a lot of people to get involved. How do you get involved? Let's say we're consulting somebody else who listens to this and they say, I really am excited about getting involved with the community, but I don't know what getting involved with the community means. What are some of these low barrier things that people could do to help them get started and get their footing in the tech community? The first step is to stop overthinking about what could be wrong. Because sometimes we overthink too much that we don't dare reach out to people. So I think it's like breaking the barrier of being shy and then start reaching out to get involved with the people that you want to connect to. So start the small step of reaching out and explain that, hey, I really want to do get involved in the community. How do I get started? Can you mentor me? The trick here is that you ask the question because if you don't ask, you won't get an answer. It's either yes, no, or maybe. And then if you get a no, that's fine. At least you ask and then you move forward to the next one. Daring to ask is the first step to get involved. To summarize that. Find somebody who has that community reach and just ask, how can I get started? Here's another thing that I find interesting. The tech community is nebulous in the sense that it's not one thing. It's not like you go to techcommunity.com and sign in with your Gmail and you're there. It's all over Mm -hmm. the place and it's little pockets of people and groups that meet up in a whole bunch of different ways. Let's talk a little bit about some of the different ways that people can find communities because there's global, there's regional, there's local communities. There's a whole bunch of different ways people can get involved. The first step is do an evaluation what kind of technology stack that you're involved because you need to focus. So if you're working with, for example, AWS, then I would recommend that you reach out to the AWS community, like AWS heroes and follow them. But if you have a job that involves that you need to increase or develop your knowledge in terms of Microsoft technologies, then I would also recommend to follow Microsoft MVPs and Microsoft-related communities. It's more like focusing on what you really want to achieve and develop and be part of that community that can help you grow in that specific goal or technology stack that you want to do. And then later on, 
you can decide if you want to try things out in different communities because we are here to try things out and learn what works best for us in our careers or goals. There were two things that you said that made gears turn in my head. One, the community is a whole bunch of different things and you can find it in a whole bunch of, of different ways. So like for me, I primarily live on Twitter and, and LinkedIn. So that's where I would follow these people that you're talking about. So you said follow the AWS heroes or the Azure MVPs. That could be on Twitter or on LinkedIn, any other social media there. It could also be in local meetup groups. There's a whole bunch of yes. things like on meetup.com that you can find where there's people that live in your area that all have similar interests. They meet up, whatever the cadence is. You can actually meet them in person if that's more your jam. But there's a whole bunch of different yes. places that you can find people on. I have one more thing to add because we met at the conference in London. One of the things that we can add as well to recommend to our listeners is attending conferences and really connecting with the speakers and other attendees because that's where you get to connect and follow people and learn from them as well. Absolutely. that That's Meet a great ups, one. Yeah. I'm sure yes. there's a big Microsoft conference every year. At yes. I don't remember what it's called. AWS has one, it's called reInvent. And there's tens of thousands of people that show up to that every year. What's the Microsoft one? I believe it's uh, builds is if it's related to the technologies, but if it's for the MVPs, it's the global summit. So it's also like worldwide and they invite, it can be virtual or in-person. So there's a lot. And then I really like what you said as well about looking into meetup.com. For example, my user group is actually in meetup. So people join there and then when I publish events, they can join the stream. And that's how you connect with them after the stream through LinkedIn or Twitter, which were most of the experts and the people in the community yes. leave, as you said. Yep. <laughs> and one of the things that we keep lightly touching on that we should just dive straight in is finding those interests because the tech community, when you just refer to it as the tech community is huge. And there's a whole lot of irrelevant data to you and irrelevant skills to you. For, for example, I would classify myself as five different things in, in tech. It's AWS, serverless, Node.js, APIs, and SAM, which is a little uh, service inside of AWS for building serverless applications. And the more of those that overlap with other people, the tighter the use cases and the more I'm going to connect with those people because we likely have significant overlap on the problems that we have and the lessons that we've learned and the projects that we're working on even. So finding your top skills, even if it's not skills that you have yet, the things that you want to learn about, find the people that also share those interests and hopefully compounded interests like Node.js API developers. They have a lot of skills that build APIs that would overlap with what you build. You know, even if they're not building it serverless, that's fine. You and I connected with each other because we both overlap with serverless. You don't do AWS, which then throws away most of the rest of my interests, but I'm deep into the serverless one and so are you. So we connected now here we are. There's so much about tech there's so much about cloud to learn. Even if you zoom in to AWS or Azure, there's a lot to learn there. It's confusing. So it's very important. Find a common interest and then connect with the experts or the people in the community that relate to the skills that you want to build 
So I'm really glad that we got connected through the serverless community because I really love the idea that I speak about Azure, but I feel connected to the serverless community, even with AWS heroes and community builders because of serverless, that common passion we have for that technology in the cloud. We should take a practical example because I know what your focus <laughs> and your specialty is inside of, of Azure. A lot of the listeners of this podcast are AWS. They're finding yes. their niche in the community. <laughs> so the alien in the podcast, right? Because they, yes. a non-AWS guest speaker is good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, go talk, ahead, sorry. talk to us a little bit about durable functions. Can you describe mm -hmm. what that service is and what it does? And then I will tie that to the AWS service yes. just to show people that we're all solving the same problems just with under different yeah. names. We speak a lot about Azure Durable Functions. So Azure Durable Functions is basically the extension of Azure Functions, which is like serverless functions in Azure. And it allows you to develop serverless workflows that are stateful by code. So literally you can have an event in that function and then you have an orchestrator and then in your orchestrator, you can write your workflows by code. You decide whatever pattern that works in your complex use case. And then you can call those functions or activities that you need to do. They call it activities based on what you want to do, like do sub orchestration. So the key thing with durable functions is that it's stateful serverless functions. And definitely there's related also in AWS, right, Alan? Yes, yes. Basically what you're describing, the AWS equivalent is step functions. It, yes. It's an orchestrated workflow service that allows you to connect all these different AWS services together in a, a sequence and you can throw in logical branches in there. You can do parallel processing. You can spin off other step function workflows that do other things asynchronously. You can do a whole bunch of different things, but really the, the premise there is that it's an orchestrator. You have one big complex task that does a number of different things. You create a step function workflow and it executes all those things in the order that you define. Sound pretty similar yes. to, to what you're describing, right? Yes, that's right. And now I'm curious because I'm interested to learn about step functions now. <laughs> Do you have patterns? Because I usually speak about patterns. For example, you did mention you can run things in parallel. In durable functions, there are different patterns that they recommend, like the function chaining pattern. And then there's this fan out and then fan in type of orchestration. And then there's this monitoring that's recurring. And then there's also the sub orchestration. So you have an orchestrator and then you can have a lot of different patterns in there. I'm curious, how is it in step functions? Do you have something like patterns that you usually follow based on use case? The way I interpret your question is, is there a set of best practices that are well known? Is, is that yes, kind of yes, how you're yes, asking? Like patterns, yeah. Yes, there are. The developer advocate team for serverless at AWS, they own a website called serverlessland.com and they put these patterns on that website to help launch people and show others what the best practices are around connecting these services together or solving this type of use case. And it's actually an open source website. So it's not just the developer advocate team at AWS running it. Anybody can contribute to it and you know go through the approval process. Very cool. I'm interested. I would like to learn about step functions because it's always good to see the other perspective on the other side, other world also. It's interesting to summarize what we're talking right now in terms of step functions and durable functions. It feels like it 
has the same purpose. We're just talking in the different layers of the language. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The whole point of this part of this conversation is to show that we are solving the same problems because we're in this yes. same wide section of the community. It doesn't matter that yes. I do AWS serverless and you do Azure serverless. We're solving the same problems and have a very similar set of tools to solve the same sets of business problems. That's awesome. That's the power of the serverless community. 100%. So, yes, it's multi-cloud or hybrid or it doesn't matter what cloud it is. <laughs> it's the people, the people behind building this technology. These are the things that matters in terms of like cloud community and what we build together. I couldn't agree more with that. And with that, yes. we are running a little bit low on time. So if there's one thing that you want our listeners to take away from today, what would you say to them? Belong to a community if you don't have one yet. Reach out to Alan for the AWS community or reach out to me if you want to know about Azure or Microsoft related technologies or anybody that you can relate to in terms of those top skills. So find your why and your purpose and don't be afraid to reach out and get involved. You will be amazed how it will change you and it will transform you when you get connected to the community. And what's the best way to get a hold of you if somebody has a question? Yes, of course. Our favorite place on Twitter, you'll find me at CJ Akodre Handel with K. And you can also find me on LinkedIn as Jonah Anderson. And then my website is jonahanderson.com. That's how they can reach me. I'm pretty active in social media and share a lot about what I know and what I've been doing with the community. So feel free to reach out. I do mentor as well, not just about Azure development, but also mentoring in building a career in tech. So if you feel like I have something that would inspire you that I can help, feel free to reach out to me and get involved. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I loved this conversation. It was awesome. Yes, likewise. Thank you so much, Alan, for having me today on this episode. I look forward to connect with the listeners as well. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you. All right. We'll talk to you later. That's it for this episode of the Ready, Set, Cloud podcast. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date on the latest episodes. For more info on trending cloud topics, be sure to visit readysetcloud.io and sign up for the Serverless Picks of the Week newsletter. I'm Alan Helton, and we're out of here. Money.